Welcome to Talking Paragraphs. Uh, I am your host, uh, former newsman and current teacher, Daniel Finney. And uh, with us on the other uh, end of the internet is uh, my friend Tyler Teske, the co-host pro tem. Uh, Howdy. Hey, buddy. So Good to see you. Uh, uh, yeah, good to see you as well. So we're this is a different podcast. Um, no animal stories uh, or uh, bizarre pop culture references. Um, there's no easy way to talk about this. Uh, my my mom Joyce, uh, mom 2.0 to longtime readers of the Des Moines newspaper and. The Marion County Express and other paragraphstacker.com and all points in between. Uh, Joyce died uh, November 27th. She had been uh, fallen in late June uh, when they were getting ready for the uh, annual 4th of July holiday and I think ruptured a disc uh something super painful yeah and it kept getting worse and it kept getting worse and finally she went in for surgery after like chiropractic and a bunch of stuff she they, finally they were like there's nothing more we can do for you we got to have surgery so she went in for surgery and uh it seemed like everything went right but there was some kind of drainage valve problem uh, that I wasn't really aware of at the time. And then when I, they, they sent her home after a day, cause that's how hospitals and medical care works. Like we cut your back open, you walk down the hall once you're good. See ya. Uh, your appointment is next week. Um, yeah. And so, and I'm not, this is not criticism of doctors uh, or anybody. It's just, you know, the way things are. Anyway, she had, um, she had a complication and collapsed at home. Uh, and she had to go back in for another back surgery on November 6th. So it was basically two back surgeries in a week, which is a lot. And I, you know, I thought she was doing better. I, re, I did, but I wasn't there every day of the way, Bob, that's my dad. I wasn't there every day. And, um, she made us Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I know that she was in a, a great amount of pain and discomfort, but she enjoyed hosting. Uh, she always did and always wanted to have people around to visit and share food and fellowship. So I knew she was very tired and very, disc very uncomfortable at the end of Thanksgiving, but not in, in my perception, not out of the range of what you would expect for somebody who just had two back surgeries and made a big meal and had people over. I mean, there was just four of us. It was Bob Joyce and I, and my friend Yvonne. And we were, um so i spoke to her on friday uh after thanksgiving and then you know the weekend's the weekend and 
what I learned from Bob later is he just kept getting weaker. Uh, she was sleeping a lot. She was just tired. And uh, she was having really bad blood sugar highs. Uh, she, she was diabetic. Um, and then Monday, the 27th, uh, she collapsed at home and they took her by rescue to the hospital and uh, heart problem, heart failure. And she, she didn't make, um, uh, I was at school. Um, I was subbing an art, which I don't know anything about teaching art. So I was just drawing pictures of superhero heads for the students to pass. You can at least do art though. I mean, that's, that's a, an advantage there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, uh, if it was or wasn't, but I was, I was drawing a picture of the Hulk when one of the vice principals, my boss came in and the school counselor was behind him. I thought they said, and he says, we need you to come to your classroom for a minute. And I was like, I, did I use the F word this morning? Did I, <laughs> did I let slip some kind of racial slur? I don't remember. I thought I was getting fired. I thought it was a <laughs> nothing like that. And they, they handed me a slip of paper and asked me to, uh, which asked me to call home and, you know, Bob, let me know. Um, and then, so there's that, uh, that's pretty much the headline for not only the last couple of weeks, but just life itself. Um, I could have done this by myself, but you knew Joyce too, almost as long as I knew because, yeah. We became friends not long after I had moved to Des Moines. It was just happenstance. We met our sophomore year at East. I had transferred in late in the year, and I was in uh, Jill Schaefer's speech class. Uh, there was a character of a human being. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was lost, like... You have to, I probably said the story a million times, but you have to remember like Winterset is 4,500 people or it was when I was a kid. I don't know what it is now. And at the time was like 1,800, 2,000 kids, somewhere like that. So you, I'm, I'm gone from an environment like of a school of a hundred kid, most of whom I've known since grade school to this like small city of people of whom I know none. And 15 to, uh, let's see, I can't remember how many was our, our, um, that year, but it was 1500 kids in that school at least. Yeah. As much as 18, I think at one point. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I think it's more than that now or maybe less. I don't, I, I don't have data. It's a few more than a hundred though. No, I was talking about Winterset. Oh, oh, no, I meant, the, the high school <laughs> east had 1800 people or 1500 right. people high school had 100 people yeah. what i was saying yeah. is like there was like 1800 kids at east and i didn't know any of them right and i've said this before tyler was a hero to me because i uh didn't know anybody and i was lost and really you know, my parent my first set of parents had died 
and an, an, an attempt to live to finish school in in Winterset didn't work out, and I, I was I was new to living with Bob and Joyce, you know, parents 2.0. Everything was new, everything was different, and I was uh, just n- completely dysregulated. Like I had the only two uh, emotions that I could express were just uh, overwhelming sadness and anger. Uh, and so one day after class, the bell rings and I'm supposed to go, it's our, the speech class was in the basement of East and I was supposed to go to 12 B, I think I'm making that up. That's the number that's explained. But anyway, I didn't know where this was. It could have been on the moon. <laughs> it, it was just around the hallway. It was just, you just had to follow the square. Well, and, and and if you didn't know how the things were numbered, you, yeah. you could have wandered a long time to get to it. Or you could go, like, if you turn the right direction, you're fine. If you turn the wrong direction, you may never get there. You right. Know? It's just a square, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, they had a kid. They had a, I don't remember, Scarlet Standouts or Scarlet Ambat, something like that. And the kid, the guy showed me around the school, but it was like, this is there, this is there. This is up here. This is here. You're good. See you later. And I was like, uh, I'm not good. But anyway, so I was lost. And and so Tyler said, you look like you could use a friend. And I'm like, I, I really could. So he showed me where my class was. He's like, meet me here at these stairs after gym. And I'll show you where the rest of the stuff is. And then it turned out he lived a few blocks away. And we ended up, you know, for a while, we rode the bus together. Then Taylor got his driver's license and uh, we rode to school together almost every day for the next two years. Mostly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, once in a while. You read the paper and then we got in the car. I read the to... paper while well, you, you, your family hilariously got, got quite <laughs> the, the, uh, the nonstop effort to wake Carrie up from whatever coma she was in. Uh, <laughs> was was fun to listen to it was like a it was like a sitcom uh, <laughs> really uh, the breakfast the breakfast food debate um but anyway jo- uh joyce was my first mother's hairdresser i don't know that you ever knew that maybe you did i don't know uh i knew that well okay you knew that uh but uh and I knew I had met her when I was little because my mom would go to the hairdresser twice a week because the way women used to get their hair done, they got it done twice a week, but they never washed their hair at home. It was all kept together with like chemicals and prayer. I don't I'm not <laughs> sure how it worked, but because uh, Joyce uh, started uh hairdressing dressing hair in 1969 and all of the stuff that she does is not really done anymore it's like so there was like curlers you know Mm -hmm. they don't really do that anymore and there was back combing which i don't really understand what it was but it made things do the hair do stuff that people wanted and then there was uh she used uh, I think it was called Aquanet, 
and it was in these long gold and white cans, which my first mom, Catherine Finney, she used to buy by a case of this stuff. And she would spray so much of it around her head. I swear her hair was bulletproof. Like you <laughs> shoot, you know, 45, it would just zing off of there. And that the, the, there was a small hole in the, in the ozone that just followed my mom's hair around. Um, my my mom was troubled, and I don't want to get into all of that because it causes problems in the family. Uh, I have enough problems as there is, but uh, I think the one place in the whole world that she was ever uh, herself, where she felt uh comfortable uh maybe beautiful and uh welcome was in Joyce's beauty shop and so i didn't really really even think about that until recently that uh that, that might have been the one place she was happy yeah uh, cuz she was not happy my mom at home but she was happy at Joyce's shop so my parents died. My dad died in 88 from uh, heart uh, heart failure, heart disease. And my mom died uh, from a fall downstairs, the, the causes of which we'll never know. Um, and I tried to live with the family and Winter said it just, it didn't work. Uh, we didn't think it through very carefully. And uh, I was not, People don't talk about grief to didn't talk about grief even in the early nineties, the way they do now. And they don't talk about processing emotions. Uh, I think everybody was like, well, you had a funeral, everything's done now. Uh, you know, time to move on. And, and I was, uh, I was not, I was not in a good place uh, mentally uh, for many, many years. Uh, after that so anyway um i came to des moines and i was staying with my sister who was working as a um uh, in-home uh caregiver for this elderly lady uh and the lady lived with her daughter uh in a in a small house on uh off of hubble avenue and uh I was staying there, but it wasn't a permanent situation. I couldn't stay in this lady's house. And uh, the the woman, the lady, by the way, was a former nun. She'd given up the uh, habit. Is that what they call it? The yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, and uh, became a layperson, and I don't remember what she did for a living, but um. Like you know, it wasn't tenable for me to stay there with this, uh, this situation where my sister was. So it happened to be that while I was staying there, which was during spring break, nineteen ninety one, uh, Joyce just called because Joyce was always looking after the strugglers and the strays and the you know, left behinds and the elders and, and just people who needed someone to check on them every now and then. So she called my sister 
just kind of out of the blue. And my sister was explaining the situation. So I think it was the next night, but it could have been a couple of days, but I think it was the next night. Uh, my sister and I went over to Bob and Joyce's stately Eastside Manor. And for lack of better terminology, they made their pitch that I could come live there and finish high school and, you know, uh, be a family. And I wanted no part of it. I just wanted to like live in a room and have somebody give me some money for food and comic books. And I was just going to finish school. And I don't know. Well, I had no plan after that because I was 15. And when you're 15, you're not very good at thinking things through. Um, I don't know that I'm very good at thinking things through at 48, but. Certainly not at 15. Yeah. I just, I was not going to love anybody and i was not going to let anybody love me because those people died or they went away and uh i was not going to allow it um that is that attitude just doesn't work for joyce like not in a like i'll teach you kind of way but just like well okay uh because I, I was ready to be like, no, screw it. I'm never going to live here. Uh, and I, I I was probably rude. I don't, I remember being there. I remember sitting in the basement. I remember Joyce saying that she thought coming to live there with somebody you kind of know would be a better pick than uh, some of the other options that were on the table at the time. And uh i was like no to hell with this you know you're gonna try to be my parents and i'm not having parents anymore they, and so i do remember this we we were getting ready to leave and joyce is like well you guys want a piece of cake because of course she would have cake <laughs> and um i said no i said i don't i don't want to kill what I, I, that's where i was in my head in my life i was like I don't I don't want to interact with these people. I don't want your nice stuff or your kindness. I, I just or, or even any cake. That's that's harsh. That's man. where I was, man. That's just uh, that was just at the point where I was. So Bob's getting the dishes out of the cupboard and the silverware out of the drawer. And Joyce gets the cake out. It's a German chocolate cake. And for years we disagreed about this because she didn't think that it was. Cause she'd only made one. And I'm like, well, that was the one. Cause I remember specifically because I had never had German chocolate cake before and didn't, didn't really, I didn't understand it. Like it wasn't like regular cake, which is frosting on some kind of, it's a different deal. Um, and uh, so she said, come on, you don't, you don't want a piece of cake. The way Joyce would say, she'd just like, you you don't, you don't want a piece of cake like yeah like you're come so, on are you kidding you're so me hard bitten and cynical you don't want a piece of fucking cake let's get it together <laughs> i'm like well okay and the cake was amazing and it's too simple to say that the cake was the reason that i acquiesced and said okay i'll live it was just the first of uncounted uncountable moments of kindness that began uh, a healing journey that's still ongoing. 
and so I I was very fussy uh, about stuff like uh, like I didn't want them to refer I didn't want her to refer to herself as my mother I didn't want Bob to to think of himself as uh, a father because uh, I had parents and they were dead and nobody else was going to be my parents again because that's the kind of thing that 15 year olds who watch too much television do and um it i mean it was a couple of years before i could even say that i loved them out loud um and uh it was uh i i mean it wasn't like terrible like we we didn't have fights and you know, I didn't do, I, I mean, I got into a little bit of trouble uh, here and there, dumb stuff that teenagers do, but no. Uh, pretty pretty low-key stuff. Yeah, I, I mean. I mean, good that they, that they, that they said, no, that we're, we, we, that's not acceptable, but nothing yeah. of great for it. Well, I remember. Uh. I was I was afraid of Joyce because I I had prop like my mom and I had problems, and the they had the uh, child therapist, uh, and they had visited with this guy, and I can't for the life of me remember his name, but he uh, was talking about, um, he he was talking about. Uh, he was telling Joyce, and he said, you have the hardest job between Bob and Joyce because you have to make him like a woman. Because apparently I was just giving all this anti-woman vibe off, which may have lasted way longer in life than I wish that it had. But um, So she had to deal with this, like me being defensive, which is teenager stuff, but it was worse than teenager stuff. And I was kind of afraid of her because I was, I was always afraid that she was going to react like my mom would react, which was often very unpleasant. And I, I just, I was scared and I was scared to allow uh, someone to love me, to, uh, to accept love. Um, and I don't, this is very vulnerable. I, I don't know that there was ever like a magic, you know, TV moment where like the door opens and then you're, you realize that you're, you're allowing this thing to happen. But I just remember that the, the patience and the kindness uh was relentless and uh eventually i don't remember when there wasn't a specific moment but eventually i felt safe which i've never been a parent and uh i don't uh, at this stage i don't think that i ever will be but uh i can tell you that children who don't feel safe really struggle in the world when they're children and because they struggle with their own 
confidence. They struggle with how they interact with other people. And I, I just, I had, on top of the losses, there were other problems. You know, it was hard to watch my dad decline over like a two-year period until he died. And the interactions with my mom were really difficult and complex and really too much to process when you're a kid. Uh, and I didn't know all, of, I didn't know about adverse childhood experience research and none of, it's not like we had Google in 1991. We, that kind of stuff was so far beyond my understanding. Um, and, and, and so what this woman and her husband, what they did for me, because I was basically a stranger. They, she knew my mom and she, we had met, I, I used to go to the shop every now and then with my mom. They had this uh, old fashioned pop machine in the back, the kind where it, it dispensed bottles and mm -hmm. it was the kind where you put your money in it and you had to grab the bottle and pull it out really right. fast because there was like this metal mechanism that was gripping the bottle and it would release, but only for a brief period. And if you didn't get it, you lost out on. <laughs> Sorry. And, and the other, so I was always, it was kind of like a nerve wracking. Like, I got to get this Pepsi out of here. Or I'm going to miss out on my. <laughs> yeah. And um, so this was in the, you put the, the money in, you got the Pepsi, but the thing was so cold that once you popped off the cap, sometimes ice crystals would form. Oh, in, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What the it would like go down the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I loved it. So I, that was cool. I remember drinking the Pepsis out of the bottles uh in the back uh but otherwise it, the the beauty shop wasn't really for boys like uh <laughs> especially guess, not they had not you i didn't mind people yeah especially when i was young you know they didn't have any comic books like they had some comic books at the barber shop that my dad and i went to but they didn't have and it was and and it was all women and they were all talking about neighborhood gossip and whose kids were doing what and whatever this was they the ladies would talk to me and Joyce would talk to me and that was fine. Uh so that I knew her, but I didn't like we weren't this was not a regular figure in my life. It was my mom. Yeah. So I uh we're 48 now, right? Yeah. yeah that's good enough. Uh, yeah. Only for a few more months for you. But, uh uh <clears throat> They were 41. So imagine being 41, having been married to Sarah for... Uh, that would have been 15 years. Yeah. 16 years. Uh, right. 15, 16 years. And you don't have kids. You, you've tended to your nieces and nephews. That's what they did. As if they were when you went to their ball games, you helped buy them dresses and he went and in one case she was in the delivery room for one of her nieces uh but you've never had a kid around full-time especially uh, a troubled teenage boy and they were like yeah we'll we'll do that we'll sign up for that that will this it's if you i can't communicate to this to the listeners properly but like they kept an immaculate home like i said this at the funeral and it's true like joyce needed glasses to read a book that was maybe uh 
four inches from her face. But like she uh, could spot microscopic sock fuzz at a hundred paces. And Bob said, even in her final days, when he was trying to help her get into bed, she'd be like, oh, there's a piece of fuzz over there. There's a piece, you know, pick that, get that up before, you know. And he's trying to get her, help her out. And he's running around getting this fuzz off the floor. That, so <laughs> like, that's how immaculate their house was. So I come in and I'm a pure agent of chaos. Like, I'm not saying like I ran around like a Tasmanian devil, but like th- th- my room was a teenage boy's room. So I had posters of like, I had a King Kong poster and a Dick Tracy poster and a Batman thing. And they said I could put whatever I wanted. So I had like a Paula Abdul poster and Madonna and, you know, I had comic book stuff and all over. They, they, they were fine with it. Uh, and, you know, that only got more crowded, and more complex as the years went on. Uh, but, I, you know, imagine inviting that into your house having never experienced it before and saying I could do that. what an act of love that is what an act of selflessness that is uh I'm not that strong I don't think maybe it helped that they they had never had kids and so <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know what they had <laughs> really lost. didn't know what they were getting into but they're like how about how bad can this be yeah well we'll 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 prove it Uh, and so the the thing you have to understand is that this was a person Joyce was a person whose great gift was to make other people feel welcome and comfortable and it didn't matter if it was her uncounted customers at the beauty shop if it was relatives or neighbors or neighbors of relatives or her own family, uh, my friends throughout the years where you were, you were, would come over regularly and we would eat dinner and you always, I mean, she, you know, you were always welcome. Uh, the only criticism she had of you is that she thought you drove too fast, <laughs> which we were kids. We probably did. I, I, I suppose I did. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I was that bad. Don't take it. You know, it was, you know, it was 30 years ago. We just, we can let that criticism go. Can't we? I, I, have, I have no idea. I can't remember really. Uh, Con- considering I got in two car accidents, one of which totaled a car. I'm going to say that maybe she wasn't entirely wrong. Well, that was teenagers. So we, Everybody, that's why teenagers pay a billion dollars for car because, <laughs> that's right. because they're irresponsible and they, they don't know nearly as much as they think they do. Um, I, I didn't say it exactly this way at, at the funeral, but if you wanted to see the face of Jesus, if you wanted to see what, uh, that was like you would study Joyce's life and what did she do she 
helped people who struggled to help themselves. She was always taking care of her sisters and her brother. She was like, she, when she was first working as a hairdresser, she bought her brother his first car. She uh, got stuff for the house to help her parents out and really helped her mom out after her dad died young. He was like in his fifties and uh, cancer. Um, and uh, she was always doing stuff for her sisters and then her nieces and nephews. Uh, and every week, at least once, if not twice or three times a week, we visited uh, the grandmas, Grandma Lois and Grandma Rogers. Um, and we, uh, uh, like we always were visiting, we were always visiting people. Uh, the, the, the lady who, uh, the shop that Joyce worked at, was called Colleen's and that lady died of cancer and Joyce would occasionally, his, her, her widow was a guy named Harvey and she would occasionally go visit Harvey just to bring him, you know, cookies or say hello or drop a card by um and maybe everybody knows somebody like this but i had never met anybody like this i had never and i have never met anybody since this that just it wasn't like something that was preached it was just something that was done like there was no uh dogma behind it it was just you you go see people you you take care of your people and you take care of everyone. Like, you know, she got close to neighbors. Every, nobody was a stranger. Uh, Talked to people, learned their names, uh, you know, learned their family situations, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, uh, she would ask after my friends years after I'd lost contact with them. Like, oh, do you ever hear from so-and-so or? you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, this is just true. Um, I, I wouldn't call it charity. It was just, it was just the way that she lived her life. The way Bob and Joyce lived their lives was just this tremendous service to others. Like, uh, and in particular to me, and I will, uh, always feel unworthy of that. Uh, which is my hang up, not, not theirs, but, uh, and they've said many times like that they got, um, that the, that the blessing was reciprocal. I don't in any way conceive how that's possible. Like it just doesn't make sense to me because, uh, they, they saved, me. they saved me as surely as Jesus saved all of us. They saved me. I was discarded. I was lost. And everything I ever did in my life that po was positive was because they helped me feel safe and comfortable and loved. And that's all you really got to do as parents, I think. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. You got to shuttle people around and all the, the yeah. But the big faith and love, like you don't need a bunch of stuff. You don't need, uh, I mean, I had plenty of stuff. They were so generous. I still have the five disc changer they gave me for Christmas one year. Uh, 
and uh, all of the, the, that stuff. But um, the just just such an amazing woman, uh, and uh, she she just never stopped giving. I mean, even uh, in what turned out to be her last handful of days, she made this great Thanksgiving meal. And uh, four of us had it. And then on the day she died, um, I had gone to the house to meet Bob and we were doing, you know, like it's that shock period when someone dies, I'm still in it. But like she, uh, Larry and Sharon had to leave for some reason. And we got a call from the funeral home that we're going to have a meeting the next day. And we had me and um, we had the last of the Thanksgiving leftovers and we heated those up and Joyce was with us one more time. Uh, this is going to shut off in a second. So we'll come back uh, because I'm cheap and I don't pay for the software because uh, I don't make any money off this podcast, but we'll be right back. W Welcome back to Talking Paragraphs. Uh, I'm Dan. He's Tyler. Yep. Uh, this is a weird podcast. There, there aren't very many jokes. No, uh, no animal stories. Um, no, uh, uh pop culture references uh or any of that stuff um i would I've, I've been talking and tyler's mostly just been listening patiently uh but i've been talking about uh joyce rogers my, my mom 2.0 who died november 27th and um this is uh the you know there there are so many great stories of uh of, of our lives together and and they pop into my head randomly and they're little blessings you know this is the one i told at the at the funeral and the eulogy uh bob and joyce traveled the whole country they visited every state except alaska they went to hawaii on their 25th wedding anniversary um which is the year you got married and oh was it really you got did you get married in 99 yeah okay that was the next year their 25th anniversary was the next year um so i thought you were 25 when you got married i was we were 25 in 2000 i don't know i'm not good at math <laughs> Anyway, um, I'm a communications guy. I don't do math. Uh, you were better at math than I was. Um, anyway, uh, we they were nature people. They were nature and historical sites. That's what they did. They would go if there was they there was some beautiful thing in nature to see. They went to see it. They camped. Uh, they camped because they liked the outdoors and nature. 
they can't because Joyce wanted to cook. They didn't like to eat out of restaurants. It was super, and it was cheaper to camp than to go to restaurants and stay in hotels. So they were able to go to more places and see more stuff because they were frugal and thoughtful and they made their own food, which is a lesson for all of us. Just cook for yourselves more often and you'll, you'll save a bunch of money and you'll be able to do nice things. Um, if you're economical anyway. Um, but when I came into the family, we, we, I was obsessed with baseball, uh, a passion that since waned, but, uh, I was just, I was, I read the box scores every day. I was, uh, you know, obsessed. And so we started adding, they started adding baseball parks to their, their annual two week vacation. And the first one we ever went to together was in Detroit at old tiger stadium. Now, Bob and Joyce don't care for, urban areas especially driving navigating so uh and nothing's more urban than detroit uh yeah especially at that period in detroit's history it was yeah not wonderful um i don't know if it's wonderful today but it was not uh it was not great and so my uh we we go to the ball game it's the, the tigers versus the yankees got to see don manningly hit a home run uh nice and the uh the the uh <clears throat> we're trying to play find a place to park and this guy tells us uh, you know oh park here this is an easy out spot it costs more than the other spots so we they coughed up for the easy out and in and in and in fairness it wasn't false advertising in the sense that it was easy to get out of the lot once all the other cars had left. You could just pull right out of there. Easy, easy peasy. Um, the problem was we had, you know, it was, this was even before like baseball, how long games were became like a crisis for the sport. Um, you know, games take a while. And we had to get back to the campground, which was outside the city uh by midnight and so we're hustling to get there and we don't make it they they lock the campground down as one would at a campground on the outskirts of detroit so uh we had to climb the fence it was a 10 foot chain link fence and we had to climb that thing i was never particularly athletic uh Joyce was not, we, but we made it. We got over that fence and uh, back to the camp. And we just, there was like a silent prayer of, well, I hope the truck's still there in the morning. Uh, it was, it was fine. Uh, <clears throat> they didn't go to this baseball game because they gave a shit about the Yankees or the Tigers. They went because they knew I'd enjoy it. That's how they, uh, that's how they were that was the essence of joyce was like well because uh, i remember her she was famous for her potato salad which was wonderful um and i don't know how stuff is made i know it that involves mayonnaise and mustard and hard-boiled eggs and pickles and 
potatoes. Uh, yeah, and potatoes. Uh, but like in terms of like how she cut it up or how how long she uh, boiled the potatoes and how she prepared, no idea. All I know is it was wonderful. It was also super messy. I remember saying one time, I'm like, wow, if the world depended on me to make potato salad, uh, there would be no more potato salad. And Joyce said, kind of as a scold, but just kind of as a lesson, like, well, sometimes you do things because other people enjoy it. That was her whole life. Like she did lots of stuff just because other people enjoyed it. She went to concerts and ball games and performances and 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 all of these things uh, she did. And, and then a few weeks a year, she and Bob would travel and they would do whatever they wanted. But for the rest of the time, that was just service to others. Her whole career as a hairdresser was service to others. I mean, she was paid. That was her job. But like she did stuff like she gave rides to uh, ladies who could no longer drive uh, because they were, they'd gotten old. Because she started out with professional women and housewives. And so on one day of the week as a hairdresser, she would go in like on Saturday at like 3.30 in the morning because she some of the people she did were like nurses and they wanted to get their hair done before they went down to work their shifts at the hospital or the doctor's office or wherever they were off to. And those women just didn't want to change the appointments after they retired. So she kept working those hours until maybe the last four or five years of her career. And um, why? Why? Because the one that to her, that was good customer service. And two, there was money to be made and work to be done. And that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, but she did all this. And then she came home, kept an immaculate house and made spectacular dinners. Which you ate at 3.30. Every single day. Uh, I am not making some comment about what women should or shouldn't do or how their role should be. I'm just saying this is how she did it. And I find it just astounding that anybody... Uh, could keep that pace up for as long as she did. I was always just, I, I don't think I actually quite understood what was going on there. Cause I, I remember being at your house and, and she would go to bed and be like eight o'clock or something. I don't know. I mean, it was, it was so early and we're like, but we got all kinds of things to watch like Dr. Who and yeah. you know, what other things that we were doing. And I never did quite understand why she got up so early. Um, yeah. Because people needed to have their hair done. And I at the time, I thought, this is frivolous. Why, why? And now I get it. Like, that relationship, that there's something about the haircut and, the, and the, maybe the touch and the, 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 the conversation. That relationship between a woman and her hairdresser is, is practically sacred. It's probably in the Bible somewhere. I don't know. Um, uh, but I, I think that, and she just enjoyed those people so much. I mean, she had customers that she would say they're butts. That's as far as she would say they're butts. Uh, and, but not very many. And 
when they died, she went to their visitations or funerals. And she did that even after she retired. And I, I they're, they're probably, she died when she was 74. So there probably aren't very many of her customers left, but cause they were older ladies when she went to work, when she was young. Uh, but, uh, just doing all of that stuff. I mean, uh, I'm talking a lot here. I, I kind of caught, I didn't really tell you I was going to do this. I just needed to be able to talk to another person. Cause I would just feel dumb. <laughs> you just wanted to see another face. Yeah. Yeah. Re- just recording this and it's all over the place and it's not a cohesive narrative, but I'm in no shape to create co- cohesive narratives. Um, but you know, Joyce, she, the joy in Joyce was real. Like she was. Oh born. yeah. Yeah. Uh, she she lived that um and 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 uh i i don't know what were your impressions back in the day uh because we saw each other almost every day school year. Uh, well it was kind of funny because like um it you know we'd we'd see him they're always they'd always say hello and they were nice and everything but we kind of hole up in your room right. <laughs> or or you know, hole up in the basement or whatever, yeah. and uh, and and uh, but I mean, I don't ever remember feeling like, wow, I wish I had something to eat, or wow, I wish I had something to drink, or you know, I mean, like there was always stuff around, and yeah. and she she, I mean, my recollection is that she'd ask if we needed anything. Always. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, before eight, <laughs> after that we were on our own because she's uh, in bed. But there were. Uh, I remember lots of popcorn. Uh, popcorn was a staple. It was their, their, her whole life. They ate a lot of popcorn. Um, and one of the things we used to do, we as we got older and carbs and sugars and diabetes and all that, we didn't do this. But we used to just make malts. But she mm. would just make it into the cup, make it in the cup with, and just, you know, really stir it up good and or root beer floats or pepsi floats or uh, seems like he always had uh um like that strawberry pop around too that was bob i i was, you was were, bob. yeah i was a pepsi guy uh and a mountain dew guy but uh, uh bob liked that strawberry pop and he was a cranberry juice drinker but a cran apple juice drinker um Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember I, I was writing about this today. I, like, I thought that having lost my first set of parents, that I would have some sort of insight or be prepared in some way for this loss, and that's absolutely incorrect. Uh, there, there was no preparation. There's, uh, I mean, I am reeling. I took two weeks off. You, I got a week, and I. Uh, bereavement and I took another week because I couldn't be in front of the students in the in the where my headspace was I was just because I know life is finite that I understood I've understood that for a long time um and I knew that Joyce was in pain and I learned more from Bob later that she was maybe fronting a little bit and, mm-hmm. uh like 
or maybe a lot because we were talking the other night and he said, well, you know, he would talk to her after she got a phone. He's like, you're kind of telling people that you're doing better than you really are. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't, I thought everything was just progressing. She was talking about how she didn't need to see the occupational therapist because she was doing just fine. And uh, the other physical therapist that was coming to the house, things were going well, but you know, she was getting weaker and I, it was probably just her heart wasn't working mm -hmm. properly and whatever. You, you'll never know. You never really know. I mean, a uh, lot of complications. Surgery is hard. Two surgeries is harder still. Yeah. Diabetes, weight, all of that stuff factors in. And um, anyway, I was just, first I was just sort of numb. And then there's all the stuff you have to do for a funeral uh, to plan and, and get together. And then, you know, there's thank you notes to write and, and that it's kind of, it's not busy work per se, but it's the stuff that keeps your mind off of the fact that like the world, as you know, it, the world as I know it no longer exists. Like right. the world where Joyce is in it and I can just call and she, you know, uh, complain about my day or, you know, just listen while they watch the wheel and guess the, uh, puzzle you know whatever that's that's done now yeah the bob said the other day everything is the same between us but it's different and i knew exactly what he meant. it's like mm -hmm. you know bob and i are close but we didn't we never really talked that much because joyce was the talker so we're having to learn how to uh communicate with one another um 30 some odd years into our relationship. Not because he was aloof or because we spent plenty of time together. We went fishing together and we, uh, but Joyce was the talker. She was, she was the thread that held two families together and propelled us through all these events. So there are moments where I think I got my arms around this. I understand this, the, the limits of this pain and grief. And then there are moments where, like, I am pretty sure uh, every cell of my body is going to fly apart because <laughs> I don't understand anything. Uh, I heard somebody talking about the, the, the situation where, you know, you have somebody um, and uh, somebody in their life dies. Everybody around them, their life goes on. Right. And the world keeps moving. And there's not really anything particularly significantly different for everybody else, but for the people for this, who this happened, like their life stops, but the world keeps moving. And it's, it's just this really weird incongruous kind of thing that um, it just, it, it's a, your the experience of the person who's actually experienced the loss is just completely different than everybody around them. And it's kind of yeah. discombobulating. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, in a in a way, I, it's good because I go back to work next week, and um, I'm gonna have to do school stuff, and that's gonna be my. But you know, Bob's retired. He's seven. Mm -hmm. They spent. I I've said this a bunch of times. They spent a total of ten nights apart in forty eight years of marriage, and 
seven of those nights were because of these recent back surgeries. And the other three were because she got a really bad case of the flu one time and she was in the hospital. That's infathomable in modern relationships. Not because people are off, but people travel for work and people have to go places and they don't go with couples. Sarah, Sarah and I have spent more time apart than that just because of, you know, like she, like she might go see her parents and I might have to stay yeah. and do something or, um, or I have, I had to go do something for work. Like you say, like I had an overnight somewhere or that kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah. It, so I don't know what Bob's inner life is like right now because, you know, that was his constant companion. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is hard for me. Uh, and I can't imagine what he's going, but like, I'll return to some semblance of normal life on Monday and I'll just be doing school stuff. Mm -hmm. Then Christmas will come and we'll do our best, but that's going to suck. Uh, we'll do our best and we'll have fun. But that was, that was one of Joyce's big things. And, you know, that'll be hard. And, the, and, Bob and I were talking about this. I, the people keep telling me like, you're not supposed to do anything important, like big decision wise for a year. And Bob's like, yeah, that sounds like pretty good advice. Like, you know, don't sell the house or don't, you know, yeah, you know, big important decisions. Um, and that makes sense. Cause you go through the whole process of all of the things, all of the markers that you have uh, in, in a year. Like, I don't, I don't have no idea what's going to happen on the 4th of July at our house. Maybe nothing. And the only time that happened was the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a thing, you know, that will be really, I don't know if it'll be sad or if it'll just be, this is different. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't know if this makes sense to anyone who listens to this, the 12 loyal listeners or, or whatever. Uh, but I, I mean, normally I'm just screwing around, you know, having my little pretend radio show, uh, trying, trying to. And I assure you that we have a whole stack of junk to talk about in another podcast. Right. There's, we have not yet in the last two podcasts, we have not worked in McDonald's Crocs. Which uh, uh, fascinates me to no end, uh, but we we just haven't gotten to it. Uh, and you know, I I will tell you this: uh, I've never been more grateful for my friends and and my family. But my friend, my friends like you, your folks, uh, your brothers, uh, you know. Uh, your sister sent me a note, um, you know, uh, colleagues from the register, um, my friends from Winterset, uh, you know, if, if you're the kind of person, and I'm certainly this kind of person, where you debate whether to go to a visitation or a funeral, because you just, they, they make you uncomfortable or whatever, Here's the advice that I can give you from my perspective, because I have not done these things in the past. I just don't go. Go. 
Because when you're in that spot and you are so vulnerable, uh, seeing those faces makes you remember that you're still alive and that you still have your feet on the ground and that the people that have always made life worth living still care um that it just it just matters and you should do it even if it makes you uncomfortable um and and you don't have like funerals are not what they used to be so you don't have to go to the whole thing it's not they're most of them are not big religious services anymore uh all of this stuff but like just go just shake somebody's hand say you're sorry it counts it means a lot i i I can't name every person who i knew who came just because they knew me and had only met joyce once or never had met her like my friend lou from winterset he and his mom came up they had known me since i was a little kid they knew my parents my first set of parents never met bob and joyce but they came up just because, you know, friends. Um, and that stuff is, you can't take that down to Bank of America and deposit it, but you are rich if you have that in your life. You you can, you, you know, you, you are, and I, I am just so blessed in that way. Uh, I, you know, I ne- I always sort of think I can't get anything right. You know, that's just sort of my mindset. Uh, but when I see, I, I, I wrote, I, I when I was in college, I fell in love with the women's basketball team. And I covered them for the student newspaper. And one of the great players that I covered and became one of my classmates at Drake was a woman named Lisa Brinkmeyer. And Lisa was from Hubbard. She was the last five, uh, excuse me, the last six on six Miss Iowa basketball. And she was just a terrific person, just funny, witty, uh, full of life. She was, she was entered, she was life incarnate. She got brain cancer and she eventually died. She died this year. And I'd written a couple of times about Lisa once when I found out about her cancer. And then once when she had died. And one of the things, one of the people in Lisa's life, Lisa was married and had uh, kids. And uh, one of the people that Lisa adored was her brother, Blaine. I'd never met Blaine, but she adored him, talked about him. You know, they were the kind of brothers and sisters that pushed each other and uh, made each other better and enjoyed each other. And I'm sitting there at the funeral home leaning on my walker and this guy comes up and he's wearing a great pen and he introduces him. he's blaine brinkmeyer he had come uh because he said that the things that i had written about lisa were really that really had helped them in their uh process and and uh not that the funeral was about me or any of that stuff but that you're like oh okay it's not for nothing like kind good works actually actually do are way more rewarding than you think they are um and if i i have many times expressed my reservations about organized religion and my doubts uh about faith i don't have those anymore 
because I see it. It's all so clear to me now. Like, of course. Because there's no way that it just happens on accident that Joyce and Bob come into my life. There's just no way that that's not a part of a plan. It doesn't make sense to me. And somebody else could make the opposite argument and I could maybe see their point. But if that is not uh, uh, a blessing or a, you know, a miracle on uh, the smallest of scales, I don't know what it is. I don't understand anything if that's not what that is. I'm talking a lot and not in any particular direction. Yeah. No, I, I think I agree with you that on that. Those, those little things, there's, you know, people say, well, uh, uh, it just happened that way for this person. And this other thing just happened is like, well, I guess, but I kind of think maybe it wasn't just happenstance. It was, it was purposeful. And, um, those, those things happen for a reason. So. Bob and Joyce couldn't have kids and I, it was a biological issue, but I don't, you know, the details I don't know. And I, you know, it's private. It's none of my business. Uh, but they, they, so they went to the second hand, uh, you know, and ended up with me. Uh, it is not, there was a, a story. I don't know if, uh, that my uncle Jim, uh, Joyce's, uh, brother-in-law wanted to put, a sign up on the house that said it's a boy uh six foot three 195 pounds which means at one point i weighed 195 pounds so <laughs> let's keep that at home uh, <laughs> we have pictures man yeah 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 i don't recognize that guy uh anyway um the, but joyce this is how thoughtful she was she's like i, I don't want to do anything to make him uncomfortable i think I think like she didn't even want uh, the grandmas to come over for a few days. Just wanted me to get used to the place and the space. Um, the, the first weekend I'm living in Bob and Joyce's house. Um, I, you know, I could, I was allowed to sleep in and I get up and I go out and Bob is out with, grandpa rogers who passed in uh 93 um and they're out side uh digging in the yard and pouring concrete into this metal tube and i'm like what what are you guys doing and they're like oh well we're, we're putting up a basketball so that doesn't sound like a lot but if they kept an immaculate house, you have no idea. I have no, I lack the verbal, verbal acumen to describe how beautiful their yard is. Like one time I saw Bob edge the front lawn with a butter knife. That is how meticulous. This, what? I am not kidding you. He would edge, he edged it uh, uh, with a butter knife all the way around where the cement uh came up against it. i'm not kidding i saw that <laughs> uh hands his knees all the way around he did it it happened and they had beautiful flowers and they took care of them right they 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 planted their driveway flowers zinnias and stuff so that they and then the flowers and hanging baskets so that they would bloom or be in full bloom by the fourth of july like they 
were just maestros of gardening and and flowers and they they love to tend to it so their yard is important to them it taking care of it is important to them and as a uh i'm in the i'm in the house less than a week and here they are cutting a hole in the yard to put a basketball hoop up for this new person so i had been adrift i i had to leave winterset my parents had died i had moved two or three times and this was i just didn't feel like there was an anchor anywhere and there bob was presumably with joyce's uh 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 permission because she was her her, uh, her blessing yeah yeah uh digging a hole in their yard and putting up a, a basketball hoop that was for all intents and purposes a permanent monument to the fact that you have a place to stay yeah this is a place we expect you to be at and you're going to be here and we had a lot of fun on that basketball hoop uh two white guys trying to dunk uh and, and trying not to destroy any flowers or yeah, there was a rule Although, the rule was don't flatten the flowers uh which i was not very good at um i was pretty adept at it though because of, of my own house and diving for things to keep them out of the out of the flower yeah. bed that was right next to the driveway by the hoop yeah but, uh, but they had a hill at their place so it's it was a it was a longer haul to try to protect it well that was okay the, the thing with the hill was when you missed a shot and we missed a few uh <laughs> it rolled down the hill that was like extra punishment not only did you miss but it rolled down the hill so it was like having to run a wind sprint i mean it wasn't but you know uh but that basketball hoop is like a symbol it's like it, they were like putting a, a permanent stake in there and something that they cared about and they were changing it for me yeah uh and i didn't process it that way at the time but years later when they decided to take the hoop down because nobody used it anymore um i i was like emotional about this because i realized that this was something much more than a basketball hoop this was like another sign that this was a place where i was safe and loved and that i was wanted here and you know i was adopted by my first family i was born a ward of the state so uh and the idea of uh of it all uh, that of being wanted as a child was not new to me but it was i had maybe lost touch with it uh and so yeah look let me ask you a question <clears throat> so you've been through this with one set of parents yeah and now your your next set of parents you're you're experiencing this is it is it different it's much different yeah uh for one thing when you're when you're a kid 
you can't you don't have the vocabulary to express mm-hmm. uh, you don't have the the brain development or the vocabulary to express what you're feeling you're just hurting and that comes out sometimes in malice misbehavior uh all kinds of negative ways because you, you just aren't able to say out loud like um i'm i'm sad and it hurts and mm-hmm. i and you know you're you're a kid and you're a teenager you're not willing to be that vulnerable um and now i am so in that sense it's uh, better but like uh, this was sudden and unexpected, uh, but you know everybody understands aging and the cycle of life. But you also like sort of put that out of your mind because these are the people you love, and you don't want to, yeah, want to think about it. Um, so you know, you just uh, you do the best you can and you figure it out. Um, and you know you just. I always, I quote this movie all the time, Rocky Balboa. Uh, it, life is not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get it and keep moving forward. How much can you take and keep moving forward? That story is repeated so many times in the Bible. It's repeated so many times in all of our folklore and and stories like, you know, whether it be spider-man you know and all of the different things that he goes through and still continues to try to be virtuous and help people um i am not i'm a highly flawed sinner of uh i i am by no means uh a hero or anything like that but uh i'm just gonna say what i said at the funeral is that uh, if th- this experience means anything, it means find joy in your family and friends and and nature. Stay in touch. Gather often. Always have a great meal. Laugh hard. Forgive easily. Love unconditionally and pass the potato salad. Tyler, buddy, this is not, it was not a fun duty, but I, I appreciate you being here for this. I not a problem. Something I felt like I needed to do. Uh, Glad to do it. Next week, there will be uh, fart noises and the Batman music will be back and uh, we'll have uh, G.I. Joe references and all of the usual low-grade, uh, modest comedy that you can expect. Uh, from and, and McDonald's Crocs. Yeah, McDonald's Crocs. This, is, this has been teased enough, I think. They're, they're right. There's some Doctor Who. We're actually not even going to do it. We're just, we, that was enough. We talked it's like about Matt it. Damon on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. We're just going to apologize for to the McDonald's Crocs. They're not going to get on. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for your friendship for all these years. It's it means the world to me. Uh, give my love to Sarah and the girls. 
and to everyone who listens uh if this reaches you and touches you or makes you laugh then i am glad and i'm thankful for you too behave and be kind